Welcome to Between Lewis and Lovecraft. I'm Hannah. And I'm Tyler. We're here to learn more about the lives of authors that have inspired us, a journey into the stories they not only created, but also lived. So join us as we dive deep into the worlds that live just out of reach. Me, Tyler Clausen, Between Lewis and Lovecraft podcast. You sound like um Elaine's boyfriend from Seinfeld, the mechanic one. Is that Patrick? Patrick, what's I his name? Think so. That's what I'm yeah, going for. That, that's what you sound like. Right going now. for a crunk. It's me. Yes, yes, that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just hanging out, drinking a Corona. It's delicious. Yeah, I don't know why that's a thing that's happening. Tyler's normally a whiskey guy, in case y'all didn't know. Oh, 100% I'm a whiskey guy. So I'm not sure how we went from whiskey to Corona. Basically, I was like, we got to start the show and the liquor store's closed and I don't have I I don't have any whiskey. I need alcohol to be able to do the show though. So, uh I just went to the mini fridge in our studio here and grabbed the first thing that I could find and it was a Corona. So now I have to try to think about who put that there. It's a Corona extra. Aren't all Coronas extra? I guess. I don't drink Corona. It's not good. (laughs) (laughs) I don't love it. (laughs) So we're not doing a commercial for Corona this time. No, we're not. If you if you like if you like hanging out on the beach and doing stuff on the beach. Doing stuff. Doing stuff on the beach, uh, and you're just hanging out. I'm doing the exact same bit that I did last time. Just drink tequila, not Corona. Yeah, sip tequila. It's so much better. Welcome to Between Lewis and Lovecraft, everybody. I'm going to put my corona down. It's probably for the best. We're going to talk about someone exciting today. I'm excited. Would you call him a personal hero? Someone who's uh, influenced your life? Uh, Well, those are two different things. Ooh. Steve Jobs influenced my life, but I wouldn't call him a hero. Mm. Right? That, that, was a good, that was a good metaphor, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gary Gygax. Is Gary Gygax a personal hero? I would, oh man, I want to say yes. I really do. Uh, I'm worried though, because I haven't gotten far enough into this book. And, um, like I really liked George Orwell for, for a while going into <laughs> that, that biography. And man, I was let down. I was let down hard. So... No, he's not a person. I don't think that any one, I don't think any human being can be my hero. Mm, that's probably point. for the best. Right. We're very cynical after 20 some authors. Yeah. I mean, even Lewis, even C.S. Lewis wouldn't be my hero only because, uh, would Lewis be my hero? <laughs> There's nothing I don't like about him. I like some of the weird shit that he did. <laughs> It made him a more well-rounded individual. Yeah, it made him approachable. He wasn't this like <laughs> godlike Jesus person. He was just a normal human being. He had his flaws, but he was really smart. Um, man, now this is a weird talk. Okay, this so is a weird conversation. Not a hero, but he did invent something that. Yes, he did absolutely you're super into. Absolutely, he he influenced my life. Um, and uh, and 
man, it's been a hobby that's been growing more and more since I was younger. And later this month, uh, we'll be releasing a correspondence episode that we did with some new friends of ours at uh, Fables of Refuge. And I'm 90% sure I told the story of how I got into Dungeons and Dragons in our episode with Jarrett. Do you remember that at all? Yes, I think. Yeah, you mentioned it. Like I got into it in middle school, and I and I made a character. I had no idea what I was doing. So, um, but uh, but a quick summary of that, a little a little uh, foreshadowing to that story oh. later this month. Um, I I started playing Dungeons and Dragons when I was in middle school, and uh, I was I had no idea what it was. Um, people tried to explain it to me, and my mind just couldn't grasp it. And then I sat down and played it once. And I was hooked. I mean, just just everything about it was amazing. And uh, and then my older brother started bringing around his his uh, Dungeons and Dragons books, and he would run games for us, and he would work me through the rules. And then I started to really get into the story writing aspect of it. And then I I finally picked up the rule books to to learn how to be a DM myself. A DM is a dungeon master. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> And, uh, and man, I, I just love everything about it. I love the role play. I love the storytelling. I love the rules and battle maps and fighting. And I love the discussions. I love the, the morality that it brings up, like the ethics of, of, of things. Um, and so I, I just, it's such a fun game and it's such a fun setting for people to explore something outside of themselves. So that's, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the guy that invented this game, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, Hannah, do you want to try and explain what Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> is from your very limited uh, understanding? <laughs> Understood. Yeah. So I have never played Dungeons and Dragons. I kind of wish I would have gotten into it as a kid because I feel like middle school me would have really liked that because I was really into Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and all yeah. that fantasy stuff. Yeah. But like I just didn't have anyone to introduce me to it. And then even like in high school, I think D&D &D was a little bit out of popularity then. It was like Magic the Gathering was the big thing when I was in high school. That was mm. what everybody played, uh, which I still didn't play. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't really hear about D&D &D until college probably. Oh, really? Yeah. You didn't hear about it? Like you had, you didn't eat, I mean, like, other than maybe like I, they mention it in E.T., the movie and, sure. and other movies and sure. stuff. So like I'd heard of it. It's a thing that, that exists. Yes. Yeah. It's like this exists. And then in college, some dude was like, Oh, do you want to come play D and D? And I was like, no. Yeah. I think I was that way with disc golf. <laughs> yes. D &D like I knew that it was a thing. Golf. I knew it was a thing until I was in college. And then people were like, dude, let's go play disc golf. <laughs> and I was like, people actually really do that. I thought it was like a joke. <laughs> I love that D&Ders have something that's like you turn up your nose at it. You're like, just oh, stop, everybody really? has yeah, everybody, everybody has, has a line. <laughs> it's just about getting yourself to get past that to be able to to explore some new stuff, man. I used to be that. My line used to be cosplay. I was like, no, cosplayers are weird, dude. But now I, I see it and I'm like, it's so cool. It's <laughs> to be able to have the talent to create a costume or the talent to role play as someone in today's a day and age like just it's just cool well, i just think it's cosplay and D, &D almost go hand in hand it's like a 
a furthering of the role play. You know, like, it, now I'm actually going to dress up as this person. And that's a that's a good discussion to have. You know, there a lot of people when they think of Dungeons and Dragons, it's very much they they're thinking of LARPing, which is live action role playing, which is an extension of Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. You it's like you're doing that, but with miniatures. Yeah, you or wouldn't like a have dungeon. You wouldn't have LARPing without Dungeons and Dragons, right? Um, but I've never LARPed. I at never. The the most I've ever done as far as LARPing or cosplay was I dressed up for as Garrett for one of our episodes. Garrett Garrett as one of our episodes. And when uh I hosted a D and D game for Halloween, I had everybody dress up as their characters. And that was about it. Like there was no role playing live action role playing on top of that. It was just kind of dressing up just for the fun of it for mm-hmm. one time. Um, so there are lines that people can still have, even if they are nerdy and into D&D, for sure. Okay, so my understanding of D&D, and I'm sure you'll uh, correct me or elaborate, everyone like basically sets up their own character. You choose different roles of these like fantasy beings. A lot of them are based on Tolkien's creations. You've got mm-hmm. like the halflings and uh, orcs. Which we're totally going to get into yeah. that. Uh, you've got like sorcerers or stuff like that. Wizards, wizards, sorcerers. tons of elf uh, ethnicities. What is an elf? Races, races. Yes, yeah, yeah. races of elves. Got humans, rangers, all that stuff. So you like <clears throat> choose a character, and and in the special episode that we've got coming up, I made my own. Yeah, you like roll for different um like talents that they have or what attributes. Are, attributes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that will like determine how well they do in certain uh, scenarios, and then the DM kind of like sets up the world that you are playing in mm-hmm. and kind of the scenarios. But it's kind of up to each player to you know make a decision like, oh, you're faced with pirates or something. Like, how are you gonna fight them? And then you're like, oh, I'm gonna cast some random spell, and then you roll to see how well it works. You're on it, man. Okay, yeah, cool. You're good. Yeah, you got it. And yeah, so it's kind of like the DM creates the world and sort of the story, but then all of the players have to use their imagination and creativity to keep it going. Yeah, it is a it's a game. It's a game that uses imagination as um, as the main fuel. Um, You 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 make your decisions based off of how the dungeon master presents the information um, in a storytelling situation they can either read it out of a book or come up with it off the top of their head a good a good you know um example would be hannah your your character or i should if your if your character's name is what uh, alana or whatever alana the elven ranger stands upon the trees in the darkened forest she sees a couple miles out a great beast moving through the forest what would alana do and now it's your turn, right? You get to decide. Whatever you can come up with as a person, that's what you can do as a character, right? You're not limited by, oh, can I jump? Can I roll? <laughs> can I stab? Can I, you know, like, where can I go? It's like, I, you can turn around and run the opposite way if you want. Like, and that's my job as the dungeon master to calibrate the game in my own head to to work with, with what you got going on. And then you add the layer of chaos that is the dice right so yes. you say well i want to jump off the top of this tree do a spinning flip and and um you know land perfectly and and then get my bow ready and shoot it 
And I go, okay, great. Well, to, in order to do that, you need to roll a certain dice, you know, and, and then you roll that dice and based off of what you roll and then what you had said before, you have attributes, you put all that together and then I tell you, okay, you either failed or you succeeded <sighs> and we go from there, right? And and that's how the whole game works. And it, it's it's very simple when it comes down to it. It's just people get overwhelmed by the math and not understanding that it works off of imagination like where's the board where's the characters where's you know all the jenga <laughs> <laughs> so do like when you play do you guys have a physical map or anything that you use do you have miniatures that you guys use um we do i, I do a few different things depending on on who's running the game and what we have available um so if if i have my choice um me and a few people in my group we've taken an old broken uh old broken tv whereas just the speakers that were broken the screen still works and we flip it so that the screen points up and then it's built into a wooden box that has a fan in it and then plexiglass over the top of it so we can so then i can take the hdmi cable from the tv and plug it into my laptop and i can bring digital maps onto that screen oh that's really cool right and i've even i even started uh supporting a patreon guy that makes animated maps where like the trees like move back and forth and like like uh there's like an ice cave and like this cold wind will blow through and it just looks super cool and then oh we have miniatures that go on top of that and there's a grid on those maps so those miniatures fit within the grid and they can move a certain amount and then we can roll dice on that big tv or on the table in front of them wherever um so i've if i choose that's how i like to play because i don't have to just use that for maps i can use it to set the scene i can um i can bring up like if it if people are coming into a town and it's raining or whatever i can go to youtube and just type in you know rain puddles whatever and i can bring that up and so it's just this aesthetic addition to the game like now they can hear the rain they can see raindrops on the screen but and then my words over the top you enter the village <laughs> and the cold gloomy rain has followed you in as you carry the dead companion that fell in your last battle you know, like, and, yeah. I, and it adds to that. Um, I can I can bring up, I can find pictures online of just people that, the, the non-player characters, characters that I'm playing, that, that they meet in the bars or taverns or shops or whatever. I can bring up pictures of what I think those characters look like. And I just type in, like, fantasy character on Google, and I just bring it up. And so now it's on the screen, and they can kind of get an idea of what they're who they're talking to. And then I do a silly voice. I try. I always try to do, like, Irish, Scottish, English, but I end up going Russian, like, super <laughs> quick. Or just, like, Bill Cosby or something. Like, it's – it's you guys know what my <laughs> – you know what my acting abilities are like. So it's, it's not very good, but it's enough to kind of bring character out – um, to differentiate between yeah, you know so you walk in and I, it's not always like oh it's the barkeep ha what do you have today and then oh it's it's the <laughs> the blacksmith oh what sort of sword am i gonna make for you today oh it's the poor guy on the side can you spare a coin for something? like i always try to do something a little bit different than that you know um so that's that's what i prefer but there's lots of people that make their own maps they make like actual parchment maps they uh a lot of people will use projectors and project downward onto a table to project maps some people just use their imagination they're they're just like you know screw it you, you don't need a map i'll tell you i'm the dm i'll keep track of it 
and you just go how far away are they and I'm like, they're about 50 feet away from you and like okay well i'm gonna run over and do this you know that you don't need all of that to be able to play you can just play it's just an experience between usually four or five people all telling one story okay okay yeah so uh now that the the novices like me know sort of how D works a little bit yeah let's talk about the guy who made it all possible yeah let's start at the beginning yes so oh that's a cool one is that a koala bear <laughs> a cheetah? whoa oh my god now i see the koala it's a giant koala bear just like smashing someone into the ground that's awesome that's see only in D. yeah seriously <laughs> So, Ernest Gary Gygax was born on July 27th, 1938 in Chicago. 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 His uh, father was named Ernst Gygax. Ernst. Ernst. Just added another letter to get his son's name. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so fine. Good. So, Ernst. And his great-grandfather was Ernst. <laughs> Ernst. Ernst. <laughs> um, his dad was a suit salesman. And a former Chicago Symphony Orchestra violinist. Huh. So, smart dude. Pretty talented. His mom uh, was named Posey. Well, that was what she went by. Her <laughs> name was Almina Amelie Burdick. And because this is uh, the 1930s, nobody bothered to say what his mom did. So, Right. Uh, let's see if I have that. So, just uh, another <laughs> quick thing. Uh, we did read uh, two different books. Or we are currently reading because this will be a two-parter. <laughs> Thank terrible. God, y'all, because I did not finish reading this book yet. Which is crazy, because you I usually normally go do. through a book like, <laughs> super fast. And All I'm going to say behind. is that 2020 has been quite the year. Yeah. Uh, so I am reading the book uh, called Empire of Imagination, Gary Gygax and the Birth of Dungeons and Dragons by M- Michael Whitwer. Whitwer. Um, and I showed Hannah the best part about this book, uh, which is in the back there's an actual timeline. Um which I didn't know about until like two days ago. So I should have told her about it so that she could have used it for our our uh, outline. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. No, no problem. <laughs> I want you to do some work. <laughs> um, so I'm reading that. Hannah, what are you reading? I'm reading Of Dice and Men, The Story of Dungeons and Dragons and the People Who Play It by David M. Ewald. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty good. It is a little light on the biography portion, though, and heavy on the culture portion of dungeons and dragons mm-hmm. but well written it's by a journalist who writes for like forbes and stuff so yeah yes a lot of people that you that they'll read i mean even just listening to the beginning of this episode it was very quick that i got into my experience with dungeons and dragons yeah because that's what it is at the end of the day it's a personal experience that you've had with this thing and i one of the things that I absolutely love is if you ask somebody who's played Dungeons and Dragons, like, what's your what's the best thing that you that you guys have done in your game? They never say uh, like, oh, in the game, we the dungeon master had us do this or our characters went and did this. If you ask somebody who's really into D&D, they always go, dude, we went into this tavern. And then we destroy, like, it's always we, we did this. It's, it is an experience that in the brain they have had. So that's always really cool. If, if you ask someone, if you know someone who's played D&D or if you uh, play D&D and you're explaining it to somebody else someday, kind of, kind of listen to that. Listen to that little thing of like, we explain it like we've done it. I, I tell the story of the time I 
cut the wings off of a griffin and created a wingsuit to jump off of a mountaintop and fly and catch my friends. Like, I actually did that. I, I didn't actually do that, but, what? I, but I tell that story like I did. So. Cameron's signaling that you did do that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> He's rewriting yeah. your history. No, for sure. If Cameron can help me out, we'll, we'll yes. add that to my biography. Yes. To my Wikipedia. <laughs> All right, so let's get back to Gary Gygax uh, and his non-important mother. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's so sad. So um, every summer growing up, he would go visit uh, his grandparents, his maternal grandparents in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, which would, uh, spoiler alert, end up being a very important place. Um, oh, and yeah. So I, I'm reading about him as like five years old playing pinochle and chess with his grandpa. Pinochle is like... The most boring game I've ever watched being played. My parents play that with my grandparents all the time. Sure. I don't understand it. <laughs> and then playing chess with his grandpa, his grandpa would like, he would train him to be better and learn from his mistakes because every time Gary would lose, his grandpa would make him go back to where he perceived him as making his like fatal mistake, mistake. Yeah. and then be like, okay, replay it from here until yeah. you get it right. So his grandpa was like hardcore yeah, teaching man. him to play these games. Um, and then when he was seven back in Chicago <laughs> during the school year, uh, he, he got, uh, into this group of friends that called themselves the Kenmore pirates after the street they lived on, which sounds delightful and, uh, like some good childhood fun until you find out that the pirates got involved in like some sort of gang fight. Gang fights, man. Yeah. They were straight boys up a in gang. the neighborhood. I'm Just like, going around Kenmore pirates. They're going to take you out. Yeah. When, like sing a little song as they do it yeah I'm, like i never saw the full explanation of what went down between these seven-year-olds but it sounded like some uh fresh prince of bel-air stuff yeah gary straight up is the fresh prince of bel-air <laughs> <laughs> gary kygax and will smith yes, are they are the same they are the i mean same. you've never seen him in the same room oh <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah so the pirates get into some sort of big gang fight with seven-year-olds. Yeah. And so the Gygax family is like, you know what? This is not, not a, a good, good environment for little Ernest. No way. Chicago <laughs> and, and the 19, late 1930s, or I guess it's early 40s at this point, just not a good place to live with, uh, what's the what's the big mobster at that time? Um, uh, was Capone would have been in jail, right? Capone. That's who I'm thinking of. Oh. Because he was big during the 30s, right? During Prohibition, yeah, whenever that ended. Do we need, I don't know. We need to do a Prohibition episode. Apparently. I don't know yeah. history unless it's <laughs> specifically around us, uh, an author. So. Well, I mean, Chicago has become a lovely, safe place for children now, so they has should it? have waited. No, I'm joking. I was going to say, <laughs> I had no like, idea. They should have just waited 80 years. No, So they, they moved to Lake Geneva, a uh, a much, much calmer quieter area for yeah. young and, Gary. And everyone says that Lake Geneva has this sort of um, bipolar experience because it is where m most people that live there are old and they're retired and it's very quiet, especially during the winter months when the lake just freezes over. But then at the same time during the summer, like people drive in droves to this place and it just turns into party city. Man. Just like a tourist hotspot yeah. in Wisconsin. Yeah. It's the Miami. We got to get over to that to that uh, to that lake. Cameron can do a really good Wisconsin accent. <laughs> After a Wisconsin living there for accent? like two weeks. 
Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> so yeah, so they they move over there just before Gary turns eight, um, and this is where he he meets a couple formative people. Yeah, uh, he becomes friends with a man named Don K. A boy named Don. Uh, K. Yes, he an eight-year-old man. <laughs> yeah, not an old man. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of important. An eight year old. <laughs> you know, with an this old is an age appropriate friendship. Yeah. And uh he also meets Mary Jo Powell. Not a big deal. Not definitely won't come no. up again. Not ever again. Ever. Um so yeah, so Gygax and his friends, um, they would play make believe games. So basically LARPing. Yeah. But LARP- LARPing wasn't a thing back uh-huh. in the forties. Um Man, you skip over so much fun stuff. Oh my god, then talk about it. Yeah. Um, well, part number three that you have here, dad introduced into science fiction and fantasy novels. That is a big deal. I mean, that's going to, uh, that's going to change his life. Well, yeah, it's the whole equipment. Grandpa introduces him to games. Mm -hmm. Dad introduces him to science fiction and fantasy. Yeah. What does he do? Right. Yeah. No, you're absolutely (laughs) right. It's, it's huge, um, that he, that he gets those and. That um, that support to be able to just enjoy those things, um, but some of the fun stories from his childhood, um, like him and Don would just just go out all the time and do all kinds of things. And the the fun story that I really liked is there's in that area they had uh, sanitariums everywhere, and the this author talks about how there's just like you'd be surprised. How, how many sanitariums there are per capita for like all the people there's there's not enough people to fill these things so why do they have so many of them in this specific area like abandoned ones or well by the time ones or? by the time gary and his and his friend don are running around they're yeah they're mostly abandoned oh, mostly that would be sick mostly mostly are, are we whispering because they have ghosts because there's ghosts well, at least that's what he thinks. Um, they would they a couple of times they would go and run into not run they would go sneak into these places. They'd run out of them because they were terrified because shit would go down inside of it. And Gary, at this point, I, again, I haven't read all of all of his stuff, so I don't know where he lands on a lot of his spirituality and and all that. But up to the point that I've read, which is up to about the point that he's created Dungeons and Dragons, um especially in his younger years he is very much a spiritualist he very much believes in ghosts and and things um and so he really scared himself a lot with that and one of the things i i can't exactly remember how the story goes but there was this story where he was hanging out or he was sleeping at a friend's house or something or his friend was sleeping at his house and then they heard they heard someone on the top bunk of the of his bed and nobody was there and then, like, he saw this figure in the dark. Um, so there was a couple of times where he saw some creepy stuff. Um, so later on in his life, if he doesn't believe in ghosts, I don't know why. Because he he had seen ghosts when he was a kid. Um, and he really, he really believed in them at that point. Uh, so he had a lot of adventures, especially with Don. Like, Don and he were, like, little, uh, little rascals style <laughs> best friends. Like... Dennis the Menace going out with his best friends, getting into trouble and stuff like that was their life. Um, it was always about adventure. It was always about finding the trolls that live under the bridge and, and, you know, bringing those folk tales to life for their life. Um, 
So from a very early age, he was all about those fantasy things. And uh, what was he not all about when he was spending all his time running around in tunnels underneath abandoned sanitariums? I would say school. Yeah. (laughs) Bingo. Like many of the authors we've talked about, he did not really like school that much. He was really Uh, smart. Just to answer your question there, Cam, with that that you have up the death battle Aslan versus Cthulhu it would be Aslan oh for sure (laughs) explain (laughs) Cameron this is not your show yeah we'll do that on another if our patron patrons want (laughs) us to we'll do an extra special death match episode we don't have a patreon so that's not gonna happen Oh, but there are so many different death matches that would be great. Sure, and that's not a <laughs> that's not a thing that people have already sucked the marrow. Right. Out of. <laughs> anyway, Gary Gygax. Gary Gygax, yeah, like like many of our authors, uh, not that into school, uh, super smart, but he skipped school a lot to go do the adventuring, and also just didn't try very hard in his classes. Yeah, um, there was there's. Uh, when he right before he got his license he they would dawn and he would sneak out by rolling the car out of the driveway and get it far enough away to where when they turned it on it wouldn't it wouldn't wake up the whole family and they would go down and try and pick up chicks and race cars and stuff that's a real thing. He was he was he was super into the greaser thing, man. He would do that leather jacket, the hairstyle, but then also he had his Coke bottle glasses. <laughs> uh, so kind of a, didn't work out for him, I don't think. Um, but he, you don't think he was sexy? Oh man, Gary Gygax, absolutely not. Um, and he they would go down, pick up chicks, race cars. But this one night they were taking it down, and uh, eventually the they oh it got away from them. It went down the hill. The car started going like, down the hill. Fast. Yeah, and nobody was in the driver's seat because they were pushing it. And it, it started going, so they had to run in. He runs and jumps in, <laughs> runs and jumps in, and then, like, tries to get the brake on. But he barely gets it on, and this car starts co- – it was coming down the perpendicular street, just narrowly avoids them, right? Just barely avoids them and Gygax is just like cradled in the in the car seat <laughs> like he's terrified so like oh man that was close anyway get in the car they start it up and they start taking off and immediately after that they get struck by by another car and like destroy the car oh my and gosh. so um before he can before he's allowed to drive he loses his privileges tr- for driving and he never drives for the rest of his life really yeah that seems hard to pull off in the midwest i mean it's it's yeah it, he just he even said at one point like if i i don't think that i'd be a very good driver like, <laughs> well yeah after that auspicious start um and so with that that started a lot of stuff um his dad was really really uh doting on him his dad loved him a lot and really was patient with him, especially when he was going through this rambunctious, rebellious age. But there was a point where they basically told him, like, look, man, if you you got to get your shit together, you got to get your grades up. And there's there's a point where he actually I mean, like he tried and he, he really wanted to do well. Don, <clears throat> he was super good at, at class like he could go out with Gary and then the next day take a test and ace it, man. But Gary just didn't test well. He just wasn't good in school. And, and so there was a point where he just realized, like, I just, I don't, I'm not good at school. 
And I think it was his I think it was his junior year, junior or senior year. Yeah. Know? So uh his junior year was when his dad died, and I didn't see what his dad died from. Uh so his dad died in January nineteen fifty six. Um so he was he's how old at this point? Uh, so he would 18. have been close to eighteen, but and junior he, in high school. And yeah, his dad died of cancer. Um <clears throat> and this is I think that on top of just him not being able to make the grades that people expected of him, he is being rebellious. And at this point, he just kind of decides I'm I'm dropping out. Yeah. I mean, um, the one person keeping him in line. Yeah. is gone now. Yeah. Um, and one of the sad things that um, happened, I mean, his dad died of cancer, so it wasn't quick. Right. It was it was pretty slow. <clears throat> and. He really. I don't I didn't read why I didn't read what reason he had for this, but he really took a lot of his anger out on his dad as his dad was dying. And he if he wasn't ignoring him, he wasn't nice to him. Um, And I think there was this anger in Gary's life of like, look, man, like I just needed you to be authoritarian and and whip me in shape. But you were too nice to me. And now you're going to be dead and you're not even going to be around. So there's so there's this time period where where his dad is dying and Gary just doesn't give a shit. And it's something that Gary struggles with for the rest of his life. The uh, guilt. The guilt of really treating his dad badly right at the end of his life. Could you imagine? No. Could you yeah. imagine this person that you've doted on your entire his entire life? This person that you've loved and and been patient with and everything and, and even when he destroyed your car and he is just not living up to his potential and you don't care. You just care about him being a good person. And now you're dying. You're on your deathbed and he couldn't give two shits about you. Like that just, I mean, that breaks my heart right now. That's Kids so sad. Suck. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you hope that a parent knows that, you know, Kids don't process things like that well, right. and just right. because he was acting a certain way doesn't mean he didn't love his dad. Sure. But yeah, and that sucks as a kid, then being like 10, 20 years later, and like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have actually been nice to my dad during his final years of right. life instead of being a little asshole. Absolutely. And and so that's something that I think that he's had to hold on, or that he did have to hold on to and and get through to, I don't know, find find a way to be a good dad himself a little bit. But we'll get into that stuff yeah. a lot later. So um, after dropping out, he did briefly join the Marines. Uh, <laughs> very, briefly. very briefly. He got diagnosed with walking pneumonia and got booted right out on a medical discharge. So then he moved back home with his mom. Yeah. Which I'm sure she was thrilled about. And I, I and he realized, too, like that he thought that the Marines were going to be like going on an adventure. <laughs> he thought he was going to throw a backpack on. He was going to hike all over the world and see things and fight and and be a a warrior and a soldier and all that but it turns out he had to listen to rules (laughs) and he had to be a good little soldier boy gary gygax the good little soldier boy (laughs) yeah i feel like uh his personality wouldn't wouldn't be well suited for the marines either i feel like he would want to reinvent the rules and uh well i don't know about that i think if he if the if the marines well if any of the military had been presented to him in a different light if there had been different tracks for him to get to different places within the organization of of our military i think he could have been a phenomenal military man it's it's just about how to present it right um that 
I feel like I'm the exact same way as Gary in this. I think that if if I was able to get through boot camp, to be able to get through my own pride and ego and and all of that, um, I could do pretty well at some tasks within the military and and do something really good with my life. It's but just I just the getting there. Part. It's just getting there. I just someone yelling at me, screaming at me and telling me what to do. I there's literally I just would shut down and be like, no, fuck you. I'm done. I'm out. Like it happens all the time at work already. Like I just don't care. So I don't know. I, I think it's just a it's something that some people are. They just can't get over that within themselves. Um, but he's he's a genius of a man. Like he is very good at laying things out and figuring things out. And we're going to see soon him getting into why I think he would have been a tactical genius when it comes to military stuff, because he was he loved military stuff. He loved it. So when he moves back in with his mom, uh, a friend and I I don't think it was Don at the time. It was somebody else who introduced him to uh, this major gaming company called Avalon Hills New War Game. It was called Gettysburg and Guy Guy's. Gygax got obsessed. Uh, he also got obsessed with ordering the blank hex mapping sheet. So th- it's like a grid, but with hexagons. Um, mm-hmm. And then that mm-hmm. got him into designing his own games. Yeah. So very pivotal point in his life right now. Um, and then also at the same time, his mom reintroduced him to that that lady, Mary Jo Powell, who he was friends with as a child. And then she started dating and like got married within a year or something, even though they were just 19. Yeah, Mary Jo. And uh, that was an issue with Don Cade. I was going to bring that up. Because apparently Don liked her too. She was dating Don. She was actually- She da- was with Don Cade. They when- phrased it as Don was like court, like trying to court her. I mean- So in- he stole his best friend's he girl? He stole his best friend's girl, man. Oh, man. Straight up. Well, that explains why Don didn't go to the wedding. No. Yeah, it was super <laughs> awkward. It was so annoying. Eventually, they got over it. Um, so, you know, yeah, a little bit of drama in his life there, but, but still like, that's a dick move, oh, man. So rude. Um, but obviously Mary Jo saw something in him. <laughs> um, and yeah, they got married. Um, and that's when he had also really started getting, I think there was still that mentality of like, I like the military stuff. Well, yeah. I'm- I just don't want to be in the military. I, I want to design to, battles yeah. and And um, so he strategize. got into the, that Gettysburg game and he got into Avalon Hill and and war gaming was what it was. And that, and I think we should we can take a second and and talk about war gaming. Like Have you played war <clears throat> games? No. Um no. I haven't. I can easily say no because they are boring as fuck. Um <laughs> to me at least because I live in a post D&D created era Mm. i live in a world where every game that i've played that's close to war gaming is inspired by touched by influenced by dungeons and dragons Uh, i've played heroes of might and magic online where you just i mean you're you're war gaming in a sense but it's fantasy and it's D D, you know and skyrim and and oblivion these are all games that are created because of games like dungeons and dragons uh and anything risk would be the closest thing to war gaming that i that i could come up with and risk is a very um i mean it's it's a war game end of the day it's a war game but it's it's very much the pop culture touch point of of war gaming it gets deep and people really got into it especially in in the pre D world you know like like these are 
people liked reliving battles. I mean, you can imagine it's it's the same uh, reenactors. They're basically LARPers of war gamers. Mm -hmm. That's that exact same extension. They like to replay these wars and they like dressing up and getting into that feel of, of all that. War gamers just like the math of it. They like the tact the tactile, you know, like fight and, and strategy. And that's what Gary Gygax was really into. He liked the math. He liked the strategy and um and then um, he, I, there's a piece of it I think that he liked uh, that they didn't touch on a lot in this book but as I'm reading it it's like it's very obvious this guy was in the Marines he thought of himself as someone who could have been in the Marines if not for boot camp and if not for you know medical issues he saw himself as a soldier or an admiral you mm-hmm. know general captain whatever playing games like Gettysburg and War in the Skies and all of these games, it was a chance for him to role play. And it was the first time that he really got a chance to, to express himself in that military um, way of being like, this is, this is how I can do these cool things without having to go and actually do them, you know? And so I think that was the case for a lot of people. Um, And I think it's a natural um, evolution to have seen all these war gaming aficionados creating something that turns into dnd right do you know where something like war gaming came from did you look into that at all no no so a lot of people give a lot of credit to hg wells for creating yeah little wars um and then people would take those that idea of little wars and um play it out they would i mean we're talking early 1900s people would would make scaled cities out in their in their uh, fields, out in their lawns and things, and they just hang out and have a picnic and build these little towns and run. You know, like I mean, it's it's literally just playtime for adults. Gro- these pictures are grown men with big old like nineteenth, eighteenth, twentieth century mustaches, right? And they're just I say and move the car over three feet because you know like they're playing as 40 year old men it was it was insane that kind of leads nicely to one of my favorite stories about his relationship with his wife so the young couple they moved to chicago he was working as a shipping clerk um, and also taking some anthropology classes at university of chicago but he also got even more into war gaming while he was living in chicago and he would go to friends houses and play them so often that Mary Jo thought he was cheating on her. Yeah, I read the same story. Oh, my God. So she goes to confront him at a friend's house, yep. and instead of finding him with another woman, she finds him and a bunch of dudes huddled around a table with, like, a map on it. Yeah, yeah, She she's straight up, she's preggers, and with their yes. first kid. Yeah, shows they already up, had their first kid. Yeah. She's pregnant. And, they, and they're and they this, at this door, and she's pounding on it, and, and his friend shows up, answers the door, and she's like, you're hiding him. You're looking out for him. Where the fuck is he, right? And he's like, uh, he's he's down in the basement. Like, we're not hiding anything. He's been telling you we're wargaming. She's like, it's bullshit. You're, <laughs> no one wargames this much. <laughs> and she goes down, and she sees him. Him smoking a cigarette down there in this basement surrounded by dudes <laughs> is this worse than cheating like i don't know man this is your wife is pregnant she's got a infant or toddler or whatever already and you're sneaking off to play games with your friends all the time yeah 
So, yeah, so <laughs> he definitely, um, man, he, and from that point on, they started playing it at their house mm-hmm. because she wanted him around more and he wasn't around at all. Because uh, he's working out in Chicago, and then he's he's playing war games down, the, you know, across town. So he's home now, playing games in their home, and it starts to take a strain on their relationship. But they have five more kids, so yeah, that's uh, totally normal. Wow. They have three more kids. I think five total. Yeah, I think they have yeah. five total. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So around 1962, when they've got the five, they decide to move back to Lake Geneva, and I think that was partly to be closer to like grandparents, so they could. Yeah. Help them out a little bit with all, because they're like young. They're in their early 20s and yeah. have all these kids. Beck and I are 31 years old. And, and the idea of having kids. two children scares the shit out of us. So It should. So, yeah, five kids and you're 20? No, I'm good. <laughs> pass, pass. I am hard pass. So I don't have that much between when they moved back to Lake Geneva and when he really when he co-founds the International Federation of War Gamers, because there's like a five-year gap in there where he's working in like insurance or something, something totally boring. Yeah, he's he's writing insurance contracts, so he's writing. That's what he's but doing. But like boring, stuff. super boring. Yeah, <laughs> not so, using his creativity. So wait, when so gets a job shipping clerk. Uh, sorry, I'm looking at my uh, official timeline. Timeline. Yeah. Here. What happens after 1962, Tyler? After 1962, uh, we get. Um, uh, one of Gary's childhood friends passes away, Tom Ko Kyo, in '63. Um, '63 they move back to Lake Geneva. Um, and '64 is his second daughter is born, uh, Heidi. Um, and then yeah, uh, after that he really starts to get into the war gaming pretty hard. In in '66 he joins the uh, USCAC, the United States. Continental Army Command, and he's, alert. and he's taking his writing and put, putting it to that. Now he starts to write columns in uh, wargaming newsletters and periodicals, basically just like you know, blogs, fan fiction. <laughs> Nowadays, no, not fan <laughs> no, well, fiction. No, like but like, I mean, reviews, it's, it's interesting sort of. to me. Like you got back then, it was periodicals and you know, and the all these things. Um, and then like what in the nineties, it was zines. <laughs> Right. And then zines are making a comeback now. Oh, yeah, they are. Uh, And then like uh, mid 2000s to, you know, 2012 ish. It was all about the blog. You got to get your blog out there, man. Uh, I've still got a blog. Oh, I I still have a blog. I haven't haven't updated it in like two years. I need to look up my blog. When was the last time I wrote something? (laughs) I'm the right stuff. Is it spelled W-R-I-T-E? You're damn right it is. Oh. I'm the right stuff dot blogspot.com. Everybody go look at Tyler's blog. Oh. oh, that's a good picture right there. Uh, the last thing that I posted was in uh, 2017, March 8th, and it was a teaser for the second Rebecca Moon book that I had started <laughs> writing. Uh, which I never released because um, I realized that I wanted to write those for my wife and not for other people. Oh my God, this is a great blog. I can't wait to look at this more later. You actually, the other, the second to last uh, post is the uh, the Craigslist the Craigslist Star. post, which I read for you a long time ago when we were in a writers group. That was really only a year ago. And then Whoa. most <laughs> most of it is like stuff about 
I went through every single chapter of my Rebecca Moon book and like posted a blog post about like what it was like to write it and oh. why I wrote that and so that's good practice for so yeah if you want to yeah. if you want to go check that out I'm the right stuff <laughs> I didn't expect I was going into this episode post, <laughs> like uh, throwing out some spam for a blog for, I don't know for your blog so yeah all because Gary Gygax was basically a blogger he's basically a war game blogger he really was yeah it's very true real quick what was your blog name oh i think it's the hannah ray at wordpress or dot wordpress.com it's like more of a work related one the hannah ray yeah dot or at dot dot wordpress dot word ats or emails i I don't know i'm very wordpress is weird dude (laughs) at wordpress.com dot Dot wordpress.com does it come up Hey, your podcast is on here. Oh, where I, yes. where Tyler and I talk about books and authors, and sometimes things that are not books or authors, like blogs. Oh, I did update it semi recently. <laughs> I tried to make it look better. It still looks like. Is crap. that picture from uh, New Zealand? Uh, which one? The one that you have right there. Oh, the top one. No, Alaska. Damn, you travel, huh? I do. That's cool. Yeah. Your so. life is so much cooler than mine. <laughs> it is we not. should bring back our blogs, man. Oh, yeah. That's what we got out of this episode. It's like, <laughs> D&D's all right, but we need to blog more. We need to blog more. <laughs> um, yeah, so he started blogging about, or he started writing about uh, <laughs> war games that he's playing. I don't know what the content was. I don't know how you write about war, about ga- war games. I mean, you could blog about D&D, right? So. Yeah, and I guess that's true. Maybe they're, but they're talking about games that are like, manufactured like these are big games so it's not like they're like oh we need to fix these rules or or anything like that um i just i don't know are they talking about the 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 wars themselves the historical aspects of them are they talking about the rules are they talking about their experiences of what it's like to play these games i mean these are all things that you could do um in a D blog but i just i don't know it's it's super weird to me that's something that i kept thinking about like how do you how do you break into the wargaming periodical business? What do you write about? <laughs> there probably wasn't a lot of competition. <laughs> I think there was actually. I think it's starting to get huge at this point. I think that's why we're going to see a lot of stuff that starts happening. Fair, fair. Um, so yeah, so sixty-seven. Then Are we. Yeah, we can. I mean, third daughter is born. Uh, Cindy. Cindy, Cindy Lee Lou. So you got Cindy Elise, Lou. Heidi, and Cindy. Yeah. And then Ernie, and what's the other son's name? God knows. Nathan? Luke? Luke. Luke. That sounds right. Yeah. I knew it was a biblical name. That's what <laughs> was. Is Nathan a biblical name? Yeah, Nathaniel. Oh, oh duh. <laughs> duh. Duh. Ty Ty the Bible guy Ty coming Ty, at yeah, you. Coming in clutch for the Bible names. <laughs> <laughs> so in 67, he co-founds the International Federation of War Games, known by uh, participants as the IFW. Yep. Um. So the first, like, kind of important thing that happened there was he organized a 20-person gaming meetup in his basement mm-hmm. in Lake Geneva. Um, and then the next year, it was popular enough that they rented Lake Geneva's horticulture hall to hold a bigger version of the event. Oh, man. So that's, like, the first official one. But this becomes such a big event that they refer to the basement one the year before as Gen Con Zero. Right. Plus, it was a huge bust. Like, people didn't really show up. It wasn't really ran well at all. Um, And the guy that was the president of IFW, he quit 
uh, because of how badly this how bad the horticulture hall rented one no the went? basement one oh went. the basement one. yeah it was just awful and so the, a new president took over and then Gary I think was a vice president of IFW and he got put in charge of Gen Con um, and so that's so he got the horticulture one and uh, man it was great like it was insane how good it turned out to be they they did a good job so you know they prepared i mean by the end of the convention they were already preparing for the second one for the next right. one because i year. think this is the only convention of its type happening so if yeah. you were into this this scene and you, you were man, going if there you type, if you type gen con into google right now it's going to explode and it's going to look like san diego comic-con it's huge now right um and so it's it's amazing to read the story of how humble the the beginnings of this conference really was this convention really was and um i i think it like this story just inspires me so much because he didn't know he was going to make these massive things he was just doing what he loved he wanted to play games with other people he was tired of playing games in his basement with the same five people so he created a convention for people to come from all over the east coast and middle east and not middle east middle, middle west east. and <laughs> come on down from sudan and we'll help you out you can play some war gaming games we know you guys like war games right yeah, it's like you guys don't have enough of that in your real life <laughs> oh man that's funny but yeah so he's, he's creating that stuff to to enjoy it himself Right? Mm-hmm. He's not doing it to make money. He's not doing it to make a big pop culture thing. Nowadays, anytime somebody's making a Comic-Con or a, or, you know, a Gen Con type thing, a conference, a convention, they're doing it so that they can either sell something or make money off the, the conference or they can, like, I don't know, sell more stuff. It's, it's always about making money. I mean, this is such a cliche and easy to say as someone who's not worried about making money, but, like... If you're not focused on the money aspect, it's going to be a better product, like nine times out of ten. Yeah, I, I can agree Because that's that. when you actually focus on like, oh, I just want to have fun. Yeah. How can we have the most fun? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so he starts to meet a lot of people. Um, this is where he meets uh, – oh, at the next one, at Gen Con 2. Yes. Um, he meets Dave Arneson. Dave Arneson is going to change the game. Dave Arneson is going to be – we're doing an episode on Gary Gygax, and the reason why is because he fundamentally cre- created what Dungeons and Dragons is, right? But there would be there would be no material for him to have done it without Dave Arneson. Um, it's like saying I'm going to make a cake with no flour. Like it, you could probably make it happen, but it's not going to be the same, right? And so I. It's really important, and I'm going to stress it really hard that Dave Arneson is is a huge part of that, of of the creation of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh yeah, I think that's totally fair. Yeah, um, yeah. So now we're getting into the creation of Dungeons and Dragons. So, um, in 1970, so the year after Gen Con two, when he met Dave Arneson, he loses his insurance job and starts cobbling shoes in his basement. Yep. But. On the bright side, this gives him more time to devote to gaming. Yep. Um, including he started producing games slash writing the rule books for um, other companies. Mm-hmm. So I guess 
It's kind of like being a technical writer, but for games. Yeah, he's he's writing for their periodicals. He's writing the the rules and organizing that. That's what he's good yeah, at. Yeah, like making sure the rules make sense yes. and they work for gameplay. Uh, basically, Britt Winchester, Britt Winchester from Britt Winchester, Britt Winchester. I'm gonna get the name right from the Contrivance Podcast. That's what she does. Oh, I thought she was she, not with video games or games. Or anything. I was gonna say she I thought writes, she was a technical she writes, writer. She's a technical like writer for manuals and stuff. Yeah. So. Hannah, when we create a game, we got to go to Brit, and she'll she'll write our manual. She's gonna, she's gonna become the new Gary Gygax. Yeah. <laughs> so, can you talk a little bit about chainmail? Because yes. I know I'm just gonna screw this up. I don't know enough about it. So, um, so chainmail. Let's let's back up just a little bit. Um, Gary creates a group called LGTSA. Uh, nothing to do with the uh, TSA that. <laughs> uh, molest you when you go through the airport. Um, Good. I don't have to be mad at him for that. Uh, the Lake Geneva Tactical Studies Association. And he's basically creating a group of people that um, are are interested in wargaming and even to the point where there are like there is at different times different kings and princes and stuff like within the association that control it and say like oh this is what we're going to do this is what we're going to play this is what we're going to how we're going to have fun or whatever. So uh, Gaiden Games comes to him. And this is a gentleman that he knows through Wargaming. And Gaiden Games has produced several games so far. And and they're the ones that really have him doing a lot of the technical writing for their stuff. They come to him and say, okay, look, we got this idea um, for this war game. And it, we're already starting to see the evolution of these these massive battles um, going further and further down the scope into smaller and smaller battles into, you know, from entire companies down to troops, down to, you know, like a, a small band of people that you're playing as, or, you know, a couple of, of planes or something. So Chainmail is taking that and really trying to do the same thing, but with medieval fighting, right? So this is the first time that, not the first time, they're, they're really starting to, people are starting to want to get back in time and go to that medieval thing and chainmail that's what that's all about um it is a it is a basic it is the basics of dungeons and dragons it's laying that foundation for a lot of the math that they had to do in dungeons and dragons to the point where when dungeons and dragons came out um officially it was like three rule books and and it came in a box right and there was enough room in that box for those three rule books plus your copy of Chainmail to put in there because it was just assumed that if you're playing Dungeons & Dragons, you've played or owned Chainmail, and you're this is like a DLC to Chainmail. It's like a an, an add-on. And to go a step further, within Chainmail, there was a small 15-page section um, that uh, Gary wrote specifically. And this section was uh, just kind of touching at the resurgence of the Tolkien uh, stories that were being revised and revisited by a lot of people at this time. This is right, this is the early 70s at this point. Lord of the Rings came out in like the early 50s, I think. Right, and now it's starting to come back. People are really paying attention to it. You got Led Zeppelin singing songs about <laughs> it. People are really into Lord of the Rings. Gary, despite the fact that he doesn't like Tolkien's style of fantasy knows that this is going to be a big deal and adds this 15-page supplemental edition 
to Chainmail that says, if you want, you can take all of this and do it in a fantasy realm like Tolkien. You can have humans, elves, dwarves, and hobbits, right? Did um, he call them hobbits then or halflings? At this point, he's calling them hobbits. Okay. Hobbits. That's a, it's a good thing to point out because it is hobbits. Because later on, the Tolkien estate, after Dungeons and Dragons is official and it's out there and it's doing its thing, Tolkien estate's like, <laughs> nah, bro. <laughs> Hobbits are ours. And so Gary's like, oh, okay, fine. Halflings. Sorry. Like, and that was it. Like, that's all they had to change was the hobbits to Right, because all the other things were, like, sort of already established within different fantasy yeah, creations. Yeah, elves and dwarves are a part of yeah. mythology. You can just grab those as you please. And even hobbits orcs weren't. seem to be fair game. Yeah, I guess. I mean, we can. You so, just can't do Urukai. <laughs> we can go so quickly into the orc thing for me. I don't. I there's, orcus, orcs come from the the demon orcus, but there was no orcs before Lord of the Rings even anyway. So to me, that's intellectual property for Tolkien. And if I was to put orcs into my fantasy, I'm just placating off of his idea of orcs. And then everybody who reads it goes, oh, these are obviously uh, Tolkien-style orc. Uh, and then I don't have to do my job as the writer to <laughs> to, to paint actually the picture. Yeah, paint the picture. So I don't like orcs in anything <laughs> other than Lord of the Rings. Anything. I don't like them in Skyrim. I don't like them in, in uh any story I've ever read at all, I don't like. I call something else. Call it beast people. Call it. Call it dummy heads. I don't care. Dummy just, heads. just not orcs. That's a. That's a. That's uh, the same as calling something hobbits. Okay. So at this point, they're hobbits, <sighs> though. Oh, so that rant was my, over. That was my rant. Sorry. It was a good rant. Yeah. So uh, chainmail comes out. People uh, enjoy it. People are liking it. But the guy that we were talking about earlier. Dave, Dave Arneson. Arneson, he takes this thing home, and he creates this sort of it's it's sort of it's a weird thing. It's not its own game, but it it is. It starts to take those rules and apply them in a different way, and he calls it Blackmore, right? And um and he starts to create this in Minneapolis, and his friends really like it. The the Twin Lakes uh group that he's a part of really enjoy it so he brings it one night to gary's house and a big group of him uh with dave and gary and the others they get super into it gary is infatuated with this idea and this is the birth of dungeons and dragons this is the moment the night that dave leaves Gary begins to formulate the idea of what they're going to do because he he suddenly realizes this is what I've been wanting. I've been wanting a war game where I play one character. I role play as this one character and I do things as this character. I'm not a military troop. I'm not trying to use uh, the history of something to dictate what I'm going to do. It is fantasy so I can do whatever I want to do and you know all we're here to do is get the loot. We're here to bust down the door, kill the thing and take its loot. And I'm going to be the fighter that does it, or I'm going to be the wizard or what have you. And that was, that was his experience with it. And he, over one night, he just laid in bed, just calculating everything. And the next day he got to work. And, uh, and that's where Dungeons and Dragons really starts to become a thing. So do we want to talk about 
that, that real for- formation of D&D? Or that seems like a good ending point, honestly. Okay. That was that was nicely said. Yeah. And there's <laughs> there's so much more, guys. I mean, I I'm even I'm just a little bit further in my book than this and so much has started happening. I'm so excited to get into the the building blocks of of D&D. Uh, what TSR becomes um, and really getting into like the late 70s, early 90s and that whole era of Oh, I can't Dungeons wait for the Dragons. 80s. <laughs> uh, and then to see where it goes after that even and, and it's kind of resurgence after 2005-ish uh, is when it really started to kind of come back. So um, yeah, it'll be it'll be a good episode to, to jump into. We'll probably not talk so much. I mean, we will because it's Gary's life and he's the one that's dealing with it but but we're going to talk a little bit more about the game itself the legacy yeah awesome look at that we almost came in at an hour yeah I mean we're close okay so that was our teaser for the next episode Tyler where can they find us I need to pull up my outro sheet so uh, I know what to say I don't hey know how to tell people you can to email our us at I got, I got, lovecraft I got. at gmail.com hey everybody you can email us at <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, you can email us at lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com, facebook.com slash lewisandlovecraft, at lewisandlovecraft on Instagram, and you can go to our website, lewisandlovecraft.com, where I am going to try and link our blogs. <laughs> oh, my god! So you can go directly to our blogs through our website. Oh, I'm going to start blogging again. Yeah, I'm going to write some dumb shit. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, so, Hannah. Oh, uh, as always, we want to thank Jake Basson for our awesome intro music. We love him. Yeah, he's we great. Do. You can find him at soundcloud.com slash Jake Basson, B as in boy, A S S E N. Yep. And don't forget to subscribe, everybody. It's the best way to stay on top of what we're doing um, when we release special little things like we had done with correspondence, and we're going to keep doing correspondence. Um, you can you can get those, and if we do something special every once in a while, you can pick that up automatically. Yeah, definitely. Don't don't miss one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, we would love it if you rate and review us, especially on iTunes. I keep looking. You can't re- review people on uh, Spotify? Spotify. No, no, it's very disappointing. So that is disappointing. iTunes people. Yeah, man, go to iTunes. Let people know, and it seriously takes just a little bit of time. Um, and it makes a huge difference for us. Um, you guys have no idea how nice it is to be able to see what you guys think of our show. So uh, let let people know. And there's another way to let people know, too. Yeah. With your words. Yeah, to with their your face. own face mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Take your face mouth and tell your friend. Open up like a puppet and oh speak. Oh, my God. This is ah, getting ah, disturbing. Ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> tell your friends, tell your grandparents, tell your significant others, tell your dog if yeah. your dog likes listening. Tell your dog about our podcast. Leave our podcast playing when you leave so that when you come home, your dog is more informed about the authors that you love. I mean, that sounds like something millennials would do. Yeah. Be like, my dog's favorite author is H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, I have my dog listening to Between Lewis and Lovecraft <laughs> when I leave that way. They're the most informed puppy at the puppy park. <laughs> yes. Uh, quick news. Um, we are going to do another Halloween special episode. Yes. Um, I've started to reach out to people. But this is your invitation right here. And you're going to hear it on every episode between <laughs> now and our, our Halloween episode. We want your flash fiction 
500 to 700 words. Um, to some of you, you that might seem like uh, not enough words. That's the challenge of, of uh, flash, flash fiction. fiction. And to some of you, that might seem like a lot of words. And you know what? If, if it does, then maybe this is a good chance for you to really start the idea of your writing career. Ooh. Yeah. Um, it's fun. Or just have some fun. Just have some fun. There's you, no pressure. You don't need to worry about uh, any judging. We're, we want to have fun with these stories. They can be goofy and off the wall, or they can be as scary as you want to make them. Um, we will read them on the show. Um, we're going to try and get some people other than me <laughs> to read them. And uh, and then we'll do a super special fun Halloween episode. Uh, kind of, a, uh, I don't, I'm trying to think of a show where they present uh, short stories. As... I mean, The Simpsons has short Halloween episodes. <laughs> yeah, but I'm thinking specifically like almost oh, like Twilight like... Zone where he's like, yes. consider this. You're... A world where people have buttholes for eyes. Oh, my God. <laughs> what was that dude's name? Rod Sterling? Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart? Or is it Stewart or Sterling? I thought it was Sterling. Sterling. Rod Stewart is a singer. <laughs> oh, Rod Serling. 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 Yes. You're the Rod Serling of just our podcast. Yes, that's it. Uh, and so write a story and send it into uh, into Lewis and Lovecraft at gmail.com. Again, it doesn't have to be long, just 500 to 700 words. It's, it's going to be a fun time, guys. I'm, and it's something easy that you can be really proud of and enjoy uh, hearing your words read by goofy people for Halloween. So do that. Uh, and all of our submissions need to be in by October 15th. That is halfway through October. October 15th. Halfway through October. Get them in, folks. Get them in. Just get them in now, though. Then we can just have them. Oh, that would be so fun. I'm gonna. You're not allowed to read them. You know that. Right? Oh yeah, actually yeah. Tyler told me I'm, I'm not be, allowed to read I'm them until Halloween. I'm gonna be presenting them to you. So, um, <clears throat> so that's our our episode. Hannah, do you have a, a teaser for our next episode? You already did the teaser for well, the next I, episode. Like, well, we always do a little thing as we're like <laughs> fading out, you know, and then we laugh about it in the background. <laughs> our music is playing right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then you have to say something D and D related. You got to give me a D and D catchphrase. Um, I just learned what D20 meant. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Monday yet? Critical Role fans will know what that means. Okay. I'm like, that. it's Sunday, but okay. Yeah, <laughs>